everybody. Chris Webster here to talk about one of the latest supporters to the Archaeology Podcast Network, The Motley Fool. Now, I've been investing in the stock market through various applications for a few years now, and everybody who's listening to this can benefit from that sort of investment for the long-term financial planning. And also, I know the hosts of these podcasts can benefit because as archaeologists, like none of us get retirement, <laughs> we all have to kind of fend for ourselves. So investing in the stock market is a good idea, but not everybody can do it. And look, we get it. The market is complicated and confusing, and to many of us, it simply doesn't make sense. In fact, where do you even start? Take all of the guesswork out of it with the Motley Fool Stock Advisor. The Motley Fool has been around for over 25 years and has been spot on in recommending some of the world's most important companies before they hit the big time. I'm talking about Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, Starbucks, all before they exploded in value. With their easy to use and super informative service, Stock Advisor, you could join the ranks before they potentially find the next big thing. After all, their average stock recommendation is up over 400% as of April 10th, 2023. And no need to be intimidated by financial jargon or market complexities. As the name suggests, these guys don't take themselves too seriously. Now, finances, that's a different story. Their friendly and relaxed approach has helped over 700,000 people move closer to financial independence, all while beating the market and having fun. New members can access Stock Advisor for only $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the full list price. Don't sit on the sidelines and think about what could have happened. Visit fool.com slash APN to start your investing journey today. That's $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. So again, check the link in the show notes of this episode. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And, and my, my trowel. Hi, you're listening to episode four of And My Trowel, where we look at the fantastic side of archaeology and the archaeological side of fantasy. I'm Tilly. And I'm Ash. And today we're going to be talking all about werewolves. Oh, but I don't know anything about werewolves. Oh. That's not my specialty at all. Okay. Um, maybe we can find somebody to help us. Okay. Do you know anyone? I think I do. Mm -hmm. uh, David, Ian, how are you there? I'm here, yes. Oh! Well, isn't that convenient? <laughs> I know everyone. <laughs> welcome, welcome, David, Ian, Hal, who I believe happens to be a specialist in the archaeology of dogs. So indeed, perfect for this particular yeah. subject. <laughs> Not exactly werewolves, but yeah, dog, dog bones for sure. I mean, close enough. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. So obviously we're, we're heading into a fantastical realm, fantasy universe. Do you enjoy reading fantasy? I haven't read a book since Chronicles of Narnia, but I do enjoy fantasy. Well, that was fantasy, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, no, but I, I love fantasy. Like, I mean, obviously Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite things. I got a tattoo of it and just D&D, &D, like I play, yeah, do all that. Yes, yes. Which tattoo do you have? Uh, I got Boromir recently. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Underrated character. Definitely. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. <laughs> and D&D, &D, you said, do you play like in person with a group? Over like during COVID, I played a bunch like over uh, Discord, and then yeah, like when my friends get together once a year, we do like a big long like day long session. Oh, that's so fun! I'm really bad at it because I can't count dice, but <laughs> I'm also terrible at counting dice. <laughs> my friends just have to call it out for me because it's just it takes too long for me to figure it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, hang on, what? This isn't all the numbers on the dice. Yeah, but it's like adding. I can't add. I'm right. really bad at it. 
it's adding in like dyslexia for me because I'm like, is that five or is that three? Like, I don't. Uh. Yeah. So you can use that to your advantage, especially if it's online. You can be like, yes, it's totally an 18. <laughs> but have you, have you done D&D yet? Yes. Yeah, I've done a few campaigns. Um, I'm not a great today. I'm not a great actor, but I do love it. And I'm obsessed right now with Baldur's Gate 3. So, um, which is the game. Okay, <laughs> I was about to say, speaking to someone who is completely... <laughs> on the computer. <laughs> um, so I'm obsessed with that and Asterion and all that. So, yeah, yeah. I'm a big D&D fan. Excellent, excellent. I do have to like D&D. I mean, D&D was also a bit of the, the sort of inspiration for this podcast, I suppose. It was inevitable mm-hmm. that we would both be interested in it. So you mentioned Lord of the Rings. So that is the sort of the, yeah. the favourite, the top fantasy book or series, or are there any others? For me, yeah, Lord of the Rings. I don't know if Dune is considered fantasy more than sci-fi, but I would say that too. Oh, uh, Game of Thrones, fun. I read all of that. Well, all of that that's out. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of other fantasies. Like, yeah, I just really like, whenever stuff like that comes on and it's, it's well-made, I, I like it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, I mean, yeah, Lord of the Rings for me. We spoke about this in our first episode. Lord of the Rings is definitely, I think, mm-hmm. the, sure the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Tolkien wrote the book and after everything like that, it's, it's kind of difficult yeah. <laughs> to be unique and different. I think he sort right. of came up with all the different kind of characters and stats and like everything really. The law is fantastic. So everything else after that is kind of a little bit of an imitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even in Star Wars, it's pretty influenced by Lord of the Rings. I mean, mostly Dune, but yeah. Um, yeah and Samurai culture, but True. yeah. I, I think it's quite a, like medieval fantasy Star Wars actually. You know, it's hero, and then they have troubles, but they always prevail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, religion, <laughs> big part. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have watched Ahsoka or like any of the new Star Wars stuff. <laughs> yeah, I haven't no. yet. I'm I really so desperate to. too. Um, I haven't even watched Dave the new season of The Witcher. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. The Witcher's <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. Dave Filoni, the the guy who makes all the new Star Wars stuff, like he's the our Lord and Savior Filoni is what people call him, but um, <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> He loves Kurosawa and like the original like Darth Vader Obi-Wan fight was like supposed to be like a samurai like oh. duel. But of course as technology got better they made the fight scenes more crazy. But he brings it back to like a Kill Bill Kurosawa looking like artistic nice. fight and stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Mandalorian as well. Yeah, oh, I love also Mandalorian. Seen that, yeah. oh, I need yeah. to catch up on a bunch of watching. <laughs> just been <laughs> way behind. For I have like three pictures of Grogo in front of me right now, so <laughs> yeah. I love him. <laughs> True, I forgot. You ha- don't you have a hoodie with him? I have a hoodie. I have two pairs of slippers. Um, <laughs> I have oh, wow. three of stuffed animals of him. Well, stuffed Yodas. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a lot. I really love him. <laughs> Well, okay, so it seems that indeed we are fantasy aficionados, but bringing it back to the sort of, is it classical fantasy werewolf? I don't know. But anyway, the the, the fantasy of, of uh, non-star uh, related uh, subjects. Yeah. I want you, Ash and David, to imagine yourself in the middle of a pine forest. It's very dark. It's very cold. Even though it's the end of summer, there's already snow in the topmost branches. And whenever the wind picks up, a dollop drops down onto the moss covered ground, occasionally also onto your head. Okay. 
You've been tasked with excavating a gravesite, which was noted down in the scrolls before, but the exact nature of the grave seems to have been glossed over a little bit. It's a very vague site report. And as you dig, you start to notice a kind of pattern, but it's a bit confusing. So the burials all include grave goods. These include carved bone pendants, stone beads, some scraps of leather clothing even, because the preservation in the colder ground is really excellent. Weirdly, there doesn't seem to be anything like cups or beakers, which you might expect in this particular time period, and also no kind of hunting weapons. But the strangest part is the identification of the bones, because they are a mixture of human bones and what appear to be large dog bones. So some burials include just human, some just dog, but some have like a mixture of the two. You are tasked with finding out what could this mean? Is it a ritual site dedicated to dogs or pets or something similar? Has there been any post-depositional disturbance that has caused the mixing of species? One possible interpretation that has been suggested tentatively by one of the students on the dig is that maybe it could be an old werewolf burial site. So that is uh, the yeah. situation. It's going to be hard to get peer review on this one, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends who's doing the reviewing. If it's, you know, the wizard in the local university, <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> we might have a shot. <laughs> but, uh, so I was wondering if either of you knew anything about the origins of werewolves and the werewolf myth. Oh, uh, Ash, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know you get bit by a werewolf, mm-hmm. and in the first full moon you turn, and then if you sample flesh, you turn into a werewolf for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I, think. Okay. <laughs> I mean that's that I, that is correct that is the general i mean yeah. that's a sort of the established sort of fantasy fictional depiction of a werewolf i guess in, mm-hmm. in this time do we know anything about the history of werewolves uh, maybe our dog expert can come in or maybe also <laughs> not so much so the oldest like depiction of werewolves they think might be in the epic of gilgamesh mm-hmm. which blew my mind and there are a lot of there's like lycanthropy is the word, which is like, I, I think it's just the fusing of like humans and wolves, like as like a, like a scimitar or not scimitar, centaur. And, uh, <laughs> We're about to summarize this. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was that called? Uh, that are like goat man people. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the guy uh, from I know Hercules. what you mean, but I don't know. Seder. Seder. Yeah, that's right. Oh. So werewolves kind of fall into those like, categories like cryptid fantastical things but yeah and it really picked up in in europe especially in the middle ages with christianity as well because they could attribute it to like something demonic and they had a common theme that way but like every regional culture like even in east asia have werewolf you know folklore and even like in indigenous america as well which is pretty interesting though it super varies here and it's not always about wolves though right like i know that some of times in africa it's hyenas or something and it's a lot of polar bears in the arctic north america uh, i didn't know about polar bears but definitely hyenas in africa are always associated with witchcraft which is oh. interesting yeah because oh. they're cunning and creepy but yeah. Yeah, yeah so and epic of gilgamesh what is the date of that i feel i should know this but do you happen to know uh you know off the top of my head i don't know i will say it's bc <laughs> that sounds right i am going to quickly look this up uh, and then we can pretend that we knew all about it uh, 2100 to 1200 bc okay so yeah. a while back Yes, quite a while back. And that actually goes even further back then because what I had sort of vaguely looked up was about ancient Greece, so the sort of 2nd century BC, and there's a myth regarding mm-hmm. King Lys- Lycion of Arcadia who somehow managed to get on the wrong side of Zeus, which 
depending on who tells the story, I mean, there's lots of ways to get on the wrong side of Zeus, right? Yeah. Um, there's, there's lots of variations <laughs> into how these happen. But basically, in most of the stories, he's turned into a wolf. Is that where lycanthropy comes from then? Probably, I assume. Uh, Yeah, I think, I mean, there's lupus as wolf in in Latin, but in Greek it might be... I know the African wild dogs, the genus is lyacone, so that comes from that, but there might be some language over there. Yeah, and you mentioned it in lots of parts of the world, so it's also mentioned in, for example, the Prose Edda and other Icelandic sagas, so that's around the 13th century AD. Um, They talk about shape-shifting from men to wolves, although... It's depending on the translation, which I found quite interesting. It's unsure whether they're taking on like the skins of wolves in terms of like wearing the pelts on the hides of of wolves, or actually like going into the skin of a wolf, so like becoming a wolf. Which you know, I guess depending yeah. on how you interpret uh, <laughs> these these sort of things. But so, have either of you read many many books or, or watched any many series that focus on on werewolves as a as a concept? I can think of two. Do you guys have any? Yeah, I can think of a few as well. I mean, uh-huh. one that immediately popped into my head was Twilight. Of course. <laughs> yeah, right, Twilight. Well, that's like, I mean, you know, it's the biggest one in the, what, in early 2000s and 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How you doing, Luca? You know, like, everyone knows, <laughs> knows it, um, unfortunately. But <laughs> Harry Potter is um, the one that comes to, to mind for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, uh, that's a big one. With mm-hmm. Remus okay. Lupin. We should have given it away, but I was too young. Right? It's one of those things that when you look back at it as an adult, you're like, oh. (laughs) Gotta give us something. Vader's father should have figured that out too. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, were there uh, there any other? So uh, we have Twilight, we have Harry Potter. You you both mentioned you had a few. Any others, Ash? Um, Supernatural TV show. Right. Yeah, because I watched that when I was quite young and then... You know, it talks about silver bullets, um, how to kill certain werewolves, mm-hmm. um, blood moons, oh, right. everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van Helsing for sure. And then oh, Teen Wolf over here. Oh, yeah. Teen Wolf. Yes. True, yeah. true, true. Yeah, that's also a good one. Which, Van Helsing yeah. is an awesome movie. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to watch that again now. <laughs> now that you've mentioned it's it. It's a huge action, right? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Just classic steampunk, like proper proper old style. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're me want to watch it. The music lives rent free in my head. Da, 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 da. Oh, I can't even. I'll have to listen to it again. I was about to say, oh, I have to listen to it again. It does. It's so good. All of listeners will like be stopping their like, podcast. <laughs> you could like get on a horse and go slay something. Well, of course, my favorite depiction of a werewolf has to be, guess the author, Ash. Oh, God. No, don't put that pressure on me. Of course, there's werewolves in Terry Pratchett. Oh, gosh, of course. How did I forget? In case you don't realize, David, I'm slightly obsessed with Terry Pratchett as a fantasy author. And I managed to wrangle him into every single episode because he has a lot of books and there's a lot of different fantasy concepts in them. So I will definitely be wrangling that into this episode as well. But indeed, point is, it's quite a, it's quite a sort of a big, a big part of fantasy fiction. But weirdly, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, we've mentioned a couple of books, but it doesn't actually seem to be that big a concept. Like considering the rich history and considering that it's present all over the world in terms of modern fantasy fiction, it, it's not as popular. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I don't know. I think there's quite a lot of like those kind of shifter books that are quite yeah. popular in romance mm. and fantasy. Animorphs. Yeah. Oh, yes, animals. Yeah. Oh, they were so good. Yeah. I would say, I know in medieval Europe, for sure, like werewolves 
It was like, or in Gilgamesh, he was worried that Ishtar, I think is the, the goddess, like was tempting him. And he was like, well, she'll turn me into a wolf if I give into this. So that was like the thing. And then, but in medieval Europe, men were persecuted as werewolves, just like women were as witches. But I, mm. I imagine women were more persecuted than, than the men, unfortunately. Okay. In medieval Europe. But, but it kind of went that way. And I think because of that, it's why it's not like a super prominent thing. But I would also argue like it still persisted. We're still talking about werewolves and it's like a common fantasy trope. So I guess it is a, it was in a recent Black Mirror episode, actually, which I guess kind of gives away the ending, but. That's, I, I to my husband that we were doing the werewolves episode. He was like, oh, there was a Black Mirror episode about that. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's yeah, it really threw me off guard because they're usually like pretty realistic. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and actually, I, now you mentioned the whole witches for women, werewolves for men thing. I can just, I definitely remember at some point in high school, we read some version of Little Red Riding Hood, but like an adult version. And the whole thing was like the wolf was supposed to be a metaphor for, you know, men preying on young girls and all this kind of stuff. And then the werewolf myth apparently like uh, came from that and all as well, which I mean, there seems to be so many different ways that the werewolf myth came about. So I never know which one. To trust gotcha. Them. No, it makes total sense. I never thought about that because in Indigenous America, men who prey on young women are like called wolves, oh. um, and there's like Navajo beliefs in it too. Like, I guess Navajo are the most populated ones here. Like there's interpretations. Like, did it come from Norse mythology when the Norse got here? And it's like I don't think that happened, but like they probably had their own. And then there's other. You can't technically say the words because that brings them to you, and I don't want to offend anybody, but there's there's ones in the eastern woodlands that climb through trees, and there's others oh. that can't remember the other one. Out here, there's like shape-shifting and stuff, and yeah. there, it's definitely uh, still a thing that on the reservations, it's still like talked about. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I think actually, well, probably, we'll probably talk about that later, either in this episode or next episode, because I have more notes on that, but I don't think we can get into it right now. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would be, it's, it's great to have you here, David. It seems that you're very knowledgeable indeed on the topic. I see an inn coming up, so maybe we can make ourselves a bit more comfortable there. We'll get settled and we will be right back, everyone. Hey, archaeology podcast fans. Anyone that's heard me on a show has likely heard me mention coffee one or probably a thousand times. Coffee, however awesome it is, has some downsides and should be consumed in moderation. That's why we partnered with Laird Superfoods. They've got lots of stuff, but their coffee and coffee creamers have been engineered to taste better, provide functional benefits, and don't contain any refined sugars. So are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our promo code ARCPODNETFEED at checkout and save 15% on your purchase today. You can also click the link in your show notes. Oh, what a lovely inn. So <laughs> I feel like I need to work on my acting skills. So David... Thanks for joining us again. Uh, now that we know a little bit more about werewolves. So what I found really interesting, starting to think about how you would actually tackle this problem. There's so many different things that I never really thought about. But then when you think about it from an archaeological perspective, like, for example, werewolf bones. So when they change, everything internally must change. I don't know if either of you have ever yeah. thought about this. But this was something that I was like, oh, uh, I guess, yeah, like as a someone who does bones a lot, like you, it would depend on the transitional stage where you're at. Like, are you half wolf at the moment? Or are you full blown wolf? Do you have like longer, 
you know, front limbs and the back limbs. I think that's usually the case. Like they're always hunched over. Mm-hmm. You would have trouble determining for sure, like the age and sex of the skeleton. Yeah. Or yeah. like, is this a human with cancer, or is this like a wolf that ate? Per- like, I don't know. It'd be the bones would be all over the place. Right. Yeah. And because, especially because I was also thinking, indeed, if they're transitioning, like, does that mean that there's some bones that are half human, half thought? Like, would that work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe it's like a cartilage situation. Everything just turns to. Um, yeah and you know i don't know that's a good question because like if you to dig them up you'd certainly be confused (laughs) (laughs) and i mean in your career as an archaeologist have you have either of you ever encountered anything uh, similar to this i don't know at animal burials which were mixed with other things or seemed a bit odd um found in an oregon trail homestead site in wyoming a giant like garbage pit that had tea kettles, bunch of shotgun shells, some like cast iron, and then a really bizarre, for some reason, porcupine skull that was preserved perfectly (laughs) that had like stuff tied to it. It was really weird. (laughs) I mean, that sounds like ritual to me. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) It was probably just some kid and the parents were like, throw it out. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess actually your experience of digging has mainly been in, in, areas where uh, bones haven't actually preserved as well or do you also find bones no i found animal bones i mean i've dug big sheep pits Mm -hmm. (laughs) i've also uh, i found a horse once um but it was just yeah it was just a post-medieval horse like someone's horse that we're using on the farm uh, must have died and yeah it was just dug up and well, they dug a grave and put it in there and it was just a little pony thing. And there was a few cows. I've seen a few cows. One of my favorite stories was that I've not found this. <laughs> this is just a story. Um, and Uist, there was a guy who was digging a hole to put his car in and um, farm. Wait, wait. With car. Back up. Yeah. <laughs> you said that as if that's like, oh yeah, you know, well, you dig a hole to what? Get rid of it somehow. It's difficult on an island, so he <laughs> dug up his croft and he put it in his car in this hole. And a croft that came along and had a dead sheep and was going to bury it and was like, um, can I? <laughs> Can I just put my sheep in this hole? And the guy was like, yeah, no problem. And so what he did instead is that he got the sheep. And this is a bit, I don't know. <laughs> Some people might not like this. Uh, he put the sheep and he put it in the driver's seat and he put his little hoofs <laughs> on the pe- <laughs> pedals on pedals on like the gas and the clutch and, and then like positioned it as if it was going to be driving the car so he thought that in the future archaeologists oh, would get up and be extremely confused and <laughs> I wish I hope I'm alive for that because that would be amazing was that in the UK? yeah it was in um, the island uh, what, South Uist which is uh, just yeah, up, uh, Scottish Island Scotland. okay Interesting. I mean, they think like, wow, the sheep must have been so developed. <laughs> like, oh, that would just perpetuate all the stereotypes of like human and sheep interactions on these island communities. Hey, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not to say what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but but that's what I mean. It's ruining the reputation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story, though. I think uh, I would, I would absolutely love for someone to find that because then you'd have to call the police because you wouldn't be sure if it was a sheep or a human and then the police would turn up that would be similar to this situation because you'd be like well it's a skeleton it's driving but that doesn't look like a human skull yeah (laughs) 
exactly. like a Piltdown Man situation. Yeah. yeah. So if you had a werewolf burial, you'd still have to call the police because, I mean, if it's in the UK, I don't know elsewhere, but in the UK, you always have to call the police if you think it is anything remotely human. I know people have called it on a pig burials and stuff because oh, sometimes they're, similar, they're so right? similar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the police turn up and go, oh, yeah, yeah. that's definitely old. And, that's yeah. and how does that work in America then, David? Can you find something bizarre like that? Or like human... If all bizarre, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but sort of human burials. Uh, if it's a human burial and it is like historic or post-contact, then like you can do whatever. If it is okay. pre-contact, then you have to consult with the tribes and see what they want to do with it, or like reroute the project kind of thing. Mm, okay. But if they have something crazy going on with it, I don't know who you would call. <laughs> um, the corner, and then we'd come investigate. <laughs> well and so because another question that i had when i was thinking so uh, i in the scenario that we have here it's a it's a burial site but would werewolves have actually had burial site and you might know a bit more about this david are wolves i mean they in my mind they're nomadic but are are they would they if they were werewolves would they have a settlement would they be just kind of roaming around Mm. what what would you say uh Wolves don't technically bury each other. Like they, they'll throw dirt <laughs> over each other sometimes, like just really? so it doesn't smell. Or they, to like cash it sometimes. Like if they're really hungry, they'll eat. <laughs> like uh, or they'll cash other animals too. Like I saw a, um, mm-hmm. someone's dog like throwing dirt over a coyote, and she sent me the video, and she's like, "It's so beautiful. He's burying the coyote." I was like, "No, he's gonna eat it later." <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're technically not incorrect. <laughs> he's just <laughs> marinating <laughs> it. <laughs> But ruined yeah. the idea. <laughs> yeah, she made a whole post about it and like twenty five thousand oh. likes and I was like, no. oh. uh, I felt bad. But um just wanted to be scientific, but it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I, werewolves it would depend, you know, on how much more primate they are than than uh, you know, lupine. So it would be if and do they have social gatherings, do they have customs, like I, I don't know. I've never seen like a a triumvirate of werewolves like talking politics together to figure that out. Well, you'd, huh. you'd think they'd run in a pack of some kind. They would emulate wolves in, in some way, right? With yeah. With a bit of humanoid kind of social and um, society and stuff. I didn't read Twilight or the first one, but I, <laughs> I'm not I didn't see the whole thing of Twilight. <laughs> are, there, are there like groups of werewolves in that? Because I've never seen um, Yeah, there's the. Kulet tribe I think it's I'm forgive me for the pronunciation I'm not too sure it's based on uh, different indigenous tribes I know that was a big issue Um, Ah, and yeah so I think there is but I think it's it's kind of othering and it's not helpful um Mm -hmm. but in other kind of books and fantasy scenarios you find there is the kind of t- typical lone wolf, but then mm. you also have ones that have a pack and they unfortunately emulate that kind of alpha kind of stereotype, but that's not true and that's not how wolves interact or in the world. There's um, a fantasy series called Deborah Harkness does it and she, um, A Discovery of Witches, and actually, weirdly oh. enough, the vampires that's emulate wolves. Wolf. Yeah, <laughs> the, the vampires emulate <laughs> wolves instead of werewolves. Oh. And they kind of move around in a similar way, in similar fashion. And actually, part of the, 
the storyline is to find out about wolves and the blood of wolves and how people move around and why they're not kind of why these creatures like demons and vampires and witches aren't reproducing anymore so that's actually quite a good one <laughs> even though it's vampires. <laughs> okay i don't know that yeah i'm not too familiar with wolves or werewolves, I should say, uh, whether they're in their group pack dynamics. But yeah, I guess if we were to like play along, like I would say there are probably some pack dynamics if they're if they're multiple. But burials, not sure. Unless it was somebody. Well, I guess here's an option, like to to go with ritual. If it was a loved one that turned into a werewolf and you had to shoot it or something, or like the town went with pitchforks to get it, you might have to bury it ceremonially because you're. Like a human? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, then people do bury vampires in strange ways, like with the stone in them. All the vampire burials, yeah. Yeah, you probably do the same thing, yeah. And that would make sense then, because this isn't then necessarily the burial site for a werewolf pack. It's maybe the burial site related to a village that has been hounded by a werewolf, so therefore this is the place where all of the victims are being buried because yeah like you said they've maybe had to be shot or something so that oh, could be an interesting yeah, then we have to look at if it's a deviant burial mm-hmm. so and what is a deviant what is a deviant burial <laughs> a deviant burial is when you find a burial that is completely out of the context of the society so for example the vampire burials that you find a lot of time you find them in scotland sometimes or witches burials they often have a stone either in their mouth or on their chest Mm-hmm. and the scene is really? because yeah they also alter really cool. if it's a christian society so it's usually buried what east to west they often alter the chain like the alignment of the burial as well um or they'll put it outside of consecrated grounds so you can find sometimes unfortunately like women that die in childbirth they might be buried somewhere else and they're kind of really of, yeah in the early medieval period and anglo-saxon period yeah they are um, they're slightly treated differently, and we don't know why. That's a think, bummer. I know, right? <laughs> right? As if you yeah. haven't had enough like trauma. <laughs> yeah, it's like as if I don't know. It's something to do with their life ways and how they view perhaps women giving birth, mm. huh. or how they view the child as well. That's just so, so interesting because yeah. in Mexican mythology, you go to like essentially their Valhalla if you die in childbirth. <laughs> like it's really yeah. that's cool. Oh, I yeah. love that. <laughs> you live with um, Huistilopochtli, who is the sun god, and you live with like the men who died as warriors and the women who died in childbirth, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, as someone who has experienced it twice now, I can say yeah. <laughs> it, it's comparable. It's not ways. <laughs> yeah, props to you. Oh I, I could never do it. <laughs> I mean, luckily, you don't have to. Yeah. I don't think I could either. True. Uh, it's not, I mean, yeah. Well, anyway, let's not get into that, let's not get into that now. But, uh, yeah, this is about yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, and the, so the other question was, indeed, would they be... So, okay, let's. So, one interpretation could be that these are the victims then of like werewolf attacks. But what if it was indeed like a werewolf packs mm-hmm. burial ground or whatever? Would are wolves in general, do they move around a lot? Do they have kind of a settled, I don't know what it would be called, den or, or something that they kind of mainly stay in? Yeah, they kind of like human foragers. They just they just go around. I know the ones that are tagged in Yellowstone, like they can walk forever. Like, I mean, Yellowstone's pretty enclosed. It's Jurassic Park, but like you, <laughs> you can track where they go. But then when packs like leave Yellowstone and go like kind of rogue, they can end up in Idaho or Montana or Wyoming or Southern Wyoming mm-hmm. and Colorado. 
So, which is why the wolf thing is a, a big political issue here. Oh, okay. But yeah, they they can wander pretty far, but they do have their dens, and then they switch it seasonally, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, and because you mentioned indeed, that's quite similar to how kind of early hunter gatherers. It's assumed that they would have would have yeah lived right, like they they wouldn't necessarily have had settlements. Yeah, they had. and that's like a big thing of my my. I guess proselytizing of, of ethnosynology is just like humans and wolves are so similar mm-hmm. and they would have like, I guess humans going into Eurasia would have noticed like wolf behavior and kind of felt like kinship with it. Cause it's pretty similar. Hmm. Yeah. Which I guess is why it's kind of like werewolves. I see kind of like Bigfoot. So not to, not to distract, but you have Bigfoot myths or like the Yeti or the Sasquatch, which are, you know, we fear we're not, we don't want to be back to our hairy primal state, but mm. like the the greys, like the aliens that are tiny and skinless or hairless and big eyes, that's like how a chimp looks at us. So we kind of are scared <laughs> of what we're not in the future. Yeah, so like, <laughs> we're in, but yeah, it's like I just find that really fascinating because they're always the same kind of tall or tiny, skinless. Sorry, hairless, not skinless. Um, things. <laughs> Naked is what I'm going for. Huge brained things. But for werewolves, too, it's like we, in Western canon and like mythology and just culture, and it's definitely Christianity perpetuated this, but wolves are like a very persecuted animal. Whereas yeah. in like Mongolian mythology, like you are humans and dogs share kinship with wolves, like we come from the same origin. In indigenous American mythology, like wolves are super revered, so are dogs. So the persecution of wolves in Europe, because it just got so populated and wolves were everywhere, would kind of turn into like why werewolves are a thing, if that makes sense. Like you're you're scared of becoming something that's persecuted. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, now, okay, this is an interesting discussion, but I see that there's a bunch of orcs have uh, just entered the inn that we're in, and they don't look very happy, so maybe it might have something to do with that group of elves in the corner over there, so maybe we should uh, quickly take cover momentarily and regroup once things have have died down a bit, yeah? Yeah, sure. I think that's a good idea. I don't (laughs) want to be here right now. (laughs) Okay, so uh, sorry, everyone. We need to cut short this episode of And My Trial, but don't worry, we'll be continuing next episode with part two. In the meantime, as always, if there's any suggestions that people have for an episode that they may have gotten from a fantasy book, or maybe there's an archaeological concept that you don't understand that maybe we can explain through fantasy or something in a book that you might want to find out as an archaeologist, just get in contact with us via email or social media. All of our contact info can be found in the show notes. Oh my God, watch out for that. Wow, damn. (laughs) (laughs) This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.